tonight we are going to examine a part of who Jesus is that is really at the center of everything we've talked about for the past, I say three weeks, I know there was a break in between because of the snow, but for the last three times we've met, we've talked about who Jesus is. We've talked about Jesus being a human, Jesus being a man. We've talked about Jesus being a servant. And then last week we talked about Jesus being a king. And so today we're going to talk about the thing that really kind of holds it all together. The hinge, if you will, that is the middle piece of why Jesus is all these things that we've talked about. And it's really the reason we're at church tonight, believe it or not. Like, some of you guys may come here because it's a fun place to hang out, and I'm glad. Like, I want this to be a fun place where you can come hang out and just relax and get away and, like, get a mental break from life. Like, I want this to be that place. But in reality, the reason that we meet at church, the reason that churches exist, is because of what we're going to talk about tonight. And it's the fact that Jesus is God. And we're going to dive into exactly what this means. We're going to really explain what it means in its entirety. But the, the fact, this, this single fact, the single claim that Jesus is God is more than, than the hinge that holds this series together. But it's literally the piece that separates Christianity from all other world religions. I bet if I asked you guys to name a few world religions, I would think you could probably come up with maybe two, three, or four, maybe more. I mean, there's, there's a number of world religions, but the fact that Jesus, this person who we've already examined and already proved, was a human being that lived on this earth, being the God that is the focal point of that religion is so vastly different than every other world religion. For example, you look at Islam or Muslim. They believe in a prophet named Muhammad, who is their version of what Jesus would be to Christianity. However, even people who believe in Islam do not believe that Muhammad was God or what they call as Allah. They believe that he was a human, that he was a prophet. Because he lived this life, he preached, he taught, and he died. Like he lived a human life. But when we look at Christianity, we look at the claim, not just that Jesus is a man, not just that Jesus is a servant, and not just that Jesus is a king, because we've already proved all those things, but when we look at the fact the truth, the claim that Jesus is God, not is, not is like made by God, not is like kind of like God or a relative of God, that Jesus himself is God. We have something that separates Christianity from the rest of the world religion. So if you've paid little to no attention during this series, and I sit here and I say, we've proved Jesus is a man. We've proved Jesus is a servant. We've proved Jesus is a king. And you're like, I don't remember any of that. That's fine. But I want you to really listen to what I have to say tonight. Because that stuff is like good. And it's good for us to know. 
And it's good for us to understand so we have a perspective of who Jesus is. But tonight's lesson about Jesus being a king, being God is what is ultimately going to determine if you spend eternity with God in heaven or separated from God in hell. And so I hope that you guys will listen and pay attention to what we're talking about tonight. Because this is one of those nights in your life where you're going to be making a decision that could impact the rest of your life and will impact the rest of your eternity. Tonight's a night where you will decide what you believe. You will decide what you want to follow. And you will decide how your life is going to be impacted moving forward. So we're going to get started. I'm not trying to make this like too heavy or too like scary. But I want you guys to understand how like important what we're going to talk about tonight is. And we've been building up to this point. But if you look at the Bible and you want to try to prove that Jesus is God using the Bible, it's a very easy thing to do. Like it's probably the easiest thing that we've had to do so far is look at the Bible and prove that the Bible teaches that Jesus is God. Because the Bible just comes out and says that. And so I'm going to read. We've talked about how each of the Gospels paints a different picture of who God is, right? We talked about how <coughs> Luke was a physician, he was a doctor, and he proved the, the fact that Jesus was a human, right? That makes sense that a, that a doctor or a physician would do that. We looked at the second week how the book of Mark showed us and illustrated that Jesus was a servant. And then last week we looked at how the book of Matthew started out with the genealogy of Jesus, proving you the king bloodline, showed the rule of Jesus, and then ended with a claim of the authority of Jesus and how the book of Matthew painted Jesus as a king. And today we're going to look at the book of John. The book of John is one that paints the picture of Jesus as God, Jesus as a deity, okay, which is just a fancy word for God. And so I'm going to start by reading John 1 because this book literally comes out from the beginning and starts by just openly saying in the front that Jesus is God. So I'm going to read to you guys from John 1. And the book of John starts like this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. And through him, meaning the word, through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. Okay? And then if you skip down to verse 14. Uh, where says the word became flesh and dwelt among us we have seen the glory the glory of the one and only full of his truth and grace okay and i lost my place here guys i'm sorry stick with me for just a second Okay. 
someone look that up? I wrote down John 1. Will you look at where in John 1 it says that the word was Jesus? Because I know it says that. So in John 1, it talks about the word was with God. Okay. Meaning that Jesus, and and so I'm just going to tell you, we'll find it so that you can know that it's in the Bible. But John goes on to say that the word that he refers to is Jesus. Okay, so it says the word was with God and that the word was God. Okay, and it says that the word was created. The word created everything and nothing that was created was created without him. And so we're saying here that... That Jesus created everything. He is God. And and we're not going to get into the deep details of like how God can be in heaven and God can be Jesus on earth. Because it's a very confusing thing. And honestly, as humans, we are not capable of knowing and fully understanding the Trinity is what that's called. But we know that the Bible makes the claim that Jesus is God in John 1. And so what we're going to do tonight is we're not just going to stop there. Because literally I could just, I could bring you guys all here. I could be like, hey, Jesus is God. The Bible says Jesus is God. Read that to you. And we could be like, okay, we're done. You know, the Bible's proved that Jesus is God. But I want you guys to really have a full grasp and a full understanding of how this shows, how this teaches That Jesus is God. How the Bible shows us that when we read it, we don't just have to go, well, I guess I'll have to believe the Bible's true. Like how we can look at it and how we can know that what the Bible says is the truth. So there's three things we're going to look at tonight that show that Jesus is God. First, in the Bible, Jesus himself claims to be God. When he lived and in the account of his life, He himself said to people that he was God. And this is kind of a weird thing for a human to say, right? Like, if you had a friend in school that was like, yeah, I'm God. You'd be like, okay, you crazy. And people thought that. If you guys know who C.S. Lewis is, he's a very famous author. But he he wrote something that says this. Someone who claims to be God is either a liar, a lunatic, or the Lord. Meaning that if someone claims to be God, they're either lying about it, they're either crazy, or they're telling the truth and they actually are God. It's only the three options there are. And when we look at the Bible, we see Jesus questioned multiple times about who he was claiming to be. In Mark 14, we see the Jewish leaders questioning Jesus about who he was and where he came from. And he responds to them that I am. They say, are you God? And he says, I am. Which is interesting because if you look at the Old Testament, how God refers to himself, he refers to himself as the great I am. And we see Jesus when he's asked, are you God? He says, I am. Which is a mirror of what God said in the Old Testament. In John 8, We see Jesus talking to a group of skeptical Jews. These are Israelites who are who believe that there's a Messiah coming. 
but they don't know what it's going to look like. They have an idea, but they were wrong because they didn't understand who Jesus was. And they're sitting here talking to Jesus and they're like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Are you God? And he says, I am. Same way, referring to himself as God in two senses. One, in answering their question. And two, in claiming that he is the great I am. And then finally, in Matthew 16, we see again where Peter, this was the thing we looked at the very first night, where Jesus turns to the disciples and he says, who do you say that I am? And Peter says that you're the Messiah, the son of God, that you are God. And Jesus says to him, you are correct in these things that you say. I am God. And what I find so interesting about all these encounters is that Jesus never really comes out first and claims to be God. He doesn't approach people and go, hey, I'm, I'm God. Nice to meet you. Hey, I'm, I'm God. Hey, I want you guys to know that I'm God. Like, Jesus doesn't do that. Instead, he allows people to realize it on their own. And then when they ask him, when they call out to him, they go, Jesus, are you God? He says, I am. And it makes me wonder if he kind of does the same thing with us. Like, we understand that Jesus reveals himself to us. Like, he can do this in a number of ways. But I think Jesus allows us to draw our own conclusion about who he is. And we have to make that decision, right? We've got to be the one who says, you know, I've come to this decision that this is who Jesus is. Like, you can sit here and you can be like, I've decided that Jesus is just a man. Just a really weird, crazy man that lived a long time ago. Or I believe that Jesus is the one true son of God who was God and died a death on the cross for me. Like that's for you to decide. And Jesus is going to give you the opportunity to decide that. So that's why it's so critical for you to decide for yourself who Jesus is and not just live your life going, I know Jesus exists, but I don't, you know... If someone asked me who Jesus is, I don't really know what I'd say. You know, he's just, a, he's, you know, the guy that's on all the pictures and paintings on the cross, you know. Because who you say Jesus is and the decision you make about who you, who you believe Jesus to be in your own life will have the greatest impact of anything you ever decide on your life. And so we see Jesus claim to be God in the New Testament. We see him just say, I am God. And so according to C.S. Lewis, that either makes him a liar, a lunatic, or the Lord. Okay, so like literally we have three choices. When we look at Jesus, we have to decide with our life if we think he's a liar, if we think he's crazy, or if we think he is God. Those are our three options. So we don't just take God's, we don't just take Jesus' word for this alone, right? We don't, I mean, we could just be like, okay, this guy's claiming to be God. How do we know? The second way we know from the Bible that we can confirm Jesus is God is through the eyewitness accounts of other people. There are a number of people in the Bible who had personal encounters with Jesus. Literally, the, the Gospels is filled with people in real life who encountered Jesus. 
And many of them validated his claims that he thought he was God, which, you know, any crazy person could get a bunch of people to follow him. Like right now, if I was like, hey, guys, we're going to go out to all the old people in the church and we're going to be like, Brian's the greatest youth pastor ever. Are you with me? And you guys would be like, yeah, Brian's the greatest. Maybe not, but whatever. But I could get a group of you guys to like rally behind me and be like, Brian's the greatest. Like people can realistically get people behind them and say things that aren't true about them, right? That's called politics. But people can get a group of people to rally behind them and say things that aren't true about them. So how can we know then that people's eyewitness encounters of who Jesus is and their claims that he is God are true? I want to look at a specific group of people and they're the disciples, right? There's 12 of them. We know from the Bible, one of them dies. They replace him with another one. So there's really kind of 13, but there's 12 disciples. And then there's one guy named Saul who was converted and changed his name to Paul. But I want to look at the 13 of them. The disciples had access to Jesus that was unparalleled by anyone in human history, right? Like we all have the ability to go before God. We have all the ability to pray to God, connect with God, whatever. They had a physical relationship with Jesus, right? They, they did life with him. They followed him around. They listened to him teach. They watched him heal people. They knew Jesus in a way that we personally cannot know Jesus. They were like his roommates, okay? Your roommates, which most of you guys probably still live with your parents, but your roommates that you live with at some point, they probably know you better than anyone else in life, right? Like, because they live with you. So the disciples probably knew Jesus better than anyone else. They witnessed all the things that we read about that prove that Jesus is God. And we can take their word for it. But there's this, uh, there's this old saying that says, actions speak louder than words. Have you guys heard that before? Meaning that you can say you believe something or you can say you want to do something, but it's when you actually act that proves what you believe or what you say. Your actions speak louder than your words. And so I want to look at the actions of the disciples after Jesus was gone. <clears throat> because let's face it, if Jesus was gone, the disciples have no one to answer to, right? If Jesus was just a man that they followed around and that they thought was cool, when Jesus died on the cross, they would have nothing to answer to. They could just go back to their lives doing whatever they did. But let's look at three things that the disciples did after Jesus left them when he went back to heaven. One, we see them pray to Jesus. Literally something that we know should only be directed towards God. Like when we pray, we know we're praying to God, right? Like I think even people who don't believe in God would be like, if you're praying, you're praying to God. That's just how it is. And yet we see in Acts 7, we see Stephen as he's being killed for his faith in Jesus, he cries out to Jesus to take his spirit. He prays to Jesus to take his spirit, showing that he believes that Jesus is God. In Acts 2, we see Peter preaching and he tells people to call unto the name of Jesus to be saved, which is something he's claiming that only God can do. And so he's claiming that Jesus is God. And then in 1 Corinthians, Paul writes, a greeting 
to the church at Corinth that he says, greetings to the people who call upon the name of Jesus, meaning that he is also claiming that not only the writer, Paul, but also the church that is founded under the pretense of Jesus being God, all believe that Jesus is God. So they prayed to Jesus. The second thing they did is they worshiped Jesus. Which is something we see people like when people would share the gospel with someone, people would be like, oh, Paul, you're so great. You're so mighty. And Paul would be like, whoa, 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 whoa. Don't worship me. Worship God. But yet when we see people worship Jesus, we see Jesus not say, oh, don't worship me. Worship God. We see Jesus say, that's okay. I'll allow it. Okay. Because Jesus knew that he was God. And so their worship was directed in the right way. So we see them pray to God. We see them worship. We see them pray to Jesus. We see them worship Jesus. Two things that are only meant for God. We see them do. But here's the ultimate one. And this seals the deal for me. This is what like convinces me every time I hear this. That Jesus has to be God. Out of the 12 disciples and Paul. So out of the 13. All but one of them were martyred, meaning they were killed because they believed in Jesus. Because they refused to deny Jesus. All of them were given opportunities to say, hey, you know what? We'll let you live, but you have to tell us right now that you don't believe that Jesus is God. And every single one of them said, I would rather die than lie about who Jesus is. And I don't know about you guys. I feel like I'm a pretty loyal person. But if I was lying for one of my friends, if I was lying for someone, and someone said, I'm going to kill you if you don't tell me you're lying. Man, at that point, I'm like, you know what? I've carried on this lie long enough. I did my best. I've got to protect myself. I'm not going to lie to my own death for someone else. But yet 12 people, and then many, many more after that, but specifically the 12 disciples, all but one of them, gave their life because they believed wholly and truly that Jesus is God. You know... We look at these people who spent their entire lives following around Jesus, that knew him better than anyone. And we've got to, we've got to believe that what they saw from Jesus, what they witnessed, what they lived, greatly impacted the fact that they were willing to die for the belief that Jesus is God. There's a book that I have in my office. If any of you guys are ever curious about it, I'll let you look at it or borrow it or whatever. It's called Cold Case Christianity, and it's a, it's a guy who, his name's Jay Warner Wallace, and he's, he was an atheist, and he was a homicide detective. And he wanted to try to prove that Jesus was not real. Because he thought that if he looked at the disciples, that he looked at the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that are written by four different people, 
but tell the same story. That he could use it like eyewitness encounters in a, in a homicide investigation and he could prove that they don't line up, that they don't prove each other. And ultimately what he proved made him become a Christian. Because he said if the Gospels were, a eyewitness, were four eyewitness encounters of a homicide, it would be the most open and shut case in human history. That's how much they align and they tell. And so not only do we have the fact that these men gave their lives for the belief that Jesus put. The last thing is we also have eyewitness accounts from those who lived with Jesus to prove that he is who he said he is. He said he is and who he said he was to prove that Jesus is God. However, if you're still not convinced that Jesus is God, which is okay, because we'll tell why in a second. If you still don't believe that Jesus is God, there's one final thing that we can look at. And it's the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Now, you want a way to separate yourself from other godlike beings. We've talked about like other religions have people like Jesus who are humans that represent that religion. But you want something that separates you from all those other people. I would think that resurrecting from the dead and showing that you have authority and power over death is the best thing that you could do. And here's where it all comes to a point. So stick with me and I'm going to wind up here. Because we see even in the Bible that some of the disciples were beginning to doubt that Jesus was God after he had died on the cross. And some of you may be sitting here tonight and you've heard everything I've said and you may be saying, you know what? I still don't know if I believe that Jesus truly is God. But if we look in John chapter 20, we see, it, we see a disciple named Thomas, and he's doubting that Jesus is God. And Jesus shows up, resurrected from the dead, and Thomas sees him, and he says, My Lord and my God. And Jesus didn't correct him. The disciples didn't correct him. Everyone in that moment knew that Jesus had risen from the dead and that he was God, that he said he was. And it wasn't just the disciples that he appeared to. I think people misunderstand this. They think that Jesus just showed up to his buddies and were like, hey, I'm alive. Now I'm going to go back to heaven and you need to go tell everyone that I'm alive. No, Believe it or not, the Bible tells us that Jesus appeared multiple times to groups as large as 500 people. Okay? That's not a small number of people. That Jesus appears to more than 500 people after he's been resurrected. And I think what's interesting about this is even scholars who don't believe that Jesus is God, they claim that they believe that all the people, that the disciples believe that they saw Jesus resurrected. Like the scholars who don't believe in Jesus say that they believe the disciples thought they saw Jesus. <clears throat> Which means that they have to convince themselves every day that they are more willing to believe that 500 people have the exact same hallucination. Then that God is real. 
Guys, I don't know about you, but I couldn't imagine going through my life every day having to convince myself that 500 people had the exact same hallucination. The 500 people believed that they saw Jesus resurrected, but I'm unwilling to believe that Jesus is truly God and that God exists and that he loves you and that he created you and that he wants to have a relationship with you. All you have to do, you know, if Jesus is truly God, like I'm I'm just going to say this, and we're going to end here. If Jesus is God, then Jesus alone has the power to save us from our sin and from our punishment of, of sin, which is death and separation from him in hell. And the Bible tells us this, that all we have to do, All we have to do to receive the grace of God, the forgiveness of God, is to confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and to believe in our heart that God raised us from the dead and we will be saved, spared, free from this punishment of our sin. I don't know about you guys, but that's like the greatest news that I could ever hear. And that's what the gospel means. The word gospel literally means great news, good news. You can be free from the punishment of sin you deserve. All you have to do is believe what we have sat here and definitively proven over the last four times we've met together. That Jesus is man. Jesus is a servant. Jesus is a king. And that Jesus is God. We've sat here and we've walked through it. We've proved it. And all you have to do is believe that in your heart. To truly say, I believe that Jesus is God. That he died on the cross for my sins and that he rose from the dead.